So welcome, Chelsea, to this podcast. I'm so pleased you could join us. Um, Thank you. Thanks for having me. Chelsea uh, entered our little mini competition and created a really amazing video, which I recommend. Um, if you go to her page, you'll find it. It's the wildflower injector on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I was saying just before we came on, Chelsea's very articulate, but she's also can do that while she's upside down. And if you don't know what I mean, <laughs> go to her page and, and follow it. Because um, it was a really cool, fun video, which definitely made us smile and got our attention, which is half the game. If you've got an, impo right. an important message to get across, you have to first learn how to get people's attention. And you've done that really well. Uh, and I liked your you. message as well. So welcome, Chelsea. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for thanks for paying attention to me when I caught your attention there. Um, and tell us a little bit about where you're based and um, kind of what your situation is so that we can kind of take your message within context. Yeah, so I'm basically on the other side of the world. I'm in the United States. Um, I live in Tucson, Arizona, so kind of Western United States. Um, you can see the saguaro painting behind me. That's that's our landscape out here. Um, I have a, a clinic that I work for. It's called Juvance Med Spa. And we actually opened that just this March. So um, fairly recently, but I've been in the aesthetics business for about uh, four, a little over four years now. Great. So four, four years in. And what was your background before then? Uh, so I worked as a behavioral health nurse. Uh, I did a lot of educating at the hospital there. And uh, before that, I was in pediatric emergency. And uh, nursing is actually a second career for me. I, I have an undergrad in business. And uh, fresh out of college, I opened a yoga studio, as you might have <laughs> been able to tell from my video, um, and then really realized I wanted to deepen my knowledge of healthcare. I got a lot of questions about healthcare and wellness. And so that led me into nursing. And I was not, I did not know that I would end up in aesthetics when I began my nursing career. But when I did, I realized this is, this is where I'm meant to be. And I feel so grateful and I love my job so much. I have, I have the best job in the world. Oh, that is great. <laughs> you probably feel that way too. <laughs> that is, um, well, it's a job of your creation, which is what I'm picking up is that you've followed, um, kind of the, a path that wasn't clear it's like that famous steve jobs quote where he says you can only you can only make sense when you join the dots looking back and yeah. <laughs> uh, you kind of need to it's the state if anyone's not seen it, it's well worth watching it this, i think if you google stay foolish it's this idea that you do things just because you think it would be fun and enjoyable and then you kind of get led down a down a path which is you've got it, it's really interesting actually now that knowing what you want to talk about how you had the sort of <laughs> background in education as well in the hospital and that's been the topic that you uh, are passionately brought to us to our attention, which is how do you communicate with patients um, in a way that's educational and and delivers guidance to them. So it's a fantastic topic. I think it's it's the thing that until you figure it out, it holds you back without you noticing because people focus so much on injection technique. But unless mm -hmm. you're good at educating, guiding your patients, it's actually that side of things that lands you in trouble most of the time. Uh, or at least in difficult situations. So tell us a little bit about why you want to talk about um, educating patients. Oh, I think it is so fundamentally important, um, especially in the aesthetics industry. There's there's this idea out there that, oh, this is fun. They're just going to, you know, someone's going to come in and get a treatment. And, oh, this is like a little party. But these are still medical procedures. And these are people's faces, their bodies we're talking about. So in my opinion, to not ensure that they know exactly what they're doing, what the goal is, what a realistic expectation for that treatment is, is just unacceptable. Um, I talk a lot. <laughs> I educate all my patients and I commonly hear the phrase, oh, no one's ever told me that before. And to me, I'm like, this is something you should know before you agree to this procedure or say, this is what you want. So. Um, I just really want my patients to make an informed decision. I don't ever want someone to feel like they're um, doing something they don't fully understand or they, uh, yeah, I, I just want them to be completely informed. So it's, it's interesting the way you describe um, certain patients seeking your advice is that they're in a, they're in a basically a super positive, excitable kind of but low risk type mental state. They just, mm -hmm. They're just thinking this is gonna be fun, it's a party and exciting. And t talk to us a little bit about 
how that, if you don't address that, it might affect things later on? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, stepping into something, if you don't understand, um, let's talk about filler, for example. I'll get patients in my chair and I usually I'll ask them what their concerns are. I'll hand them a mirror, have them point things out. And I like to start there to kind of see what they're seeing, what they're thinking. And, you know, oftentimes I'll see this. And for people who are just hearing this, I'm, I'm pulling my skin back with my fingers to like mimic what a facelift would do. So when I start to see patients doing that, you know, with their fingers pulling their face back, and they're talking about putting filler in their face, I have to say, okay, let's let's be realistic about what filler does and doesn't do. Filler is great for, you know, creating a little bit of contour shape, a little bit of volume in small areas, but it's not gonna lift your face the way you're demonstrating. And a lot of people, I think that's probably one of the most common misconceptions people have when I see them is that somehow filler is going to take, you know, tissue that is forward and down and, pull it back in the face and it just doesn't work that way um, and so I, that's interesting because you because <laughs> in that moment if you if I'm putting these two scenes together you've got a very positive excited patient who's just describing what they think you're going to do to them and they're happy and then you you have to stop that process and make them less happy <laughs> I, I think that's where the people skills come <laughs> come into play um I, my goal is always, uh, this is kind of my overarching philosophy, my goal is always to make my patients feel happier and more confident when they leave my office than when they came in, right? Even if that's just incremental, but I want them to feel good about themselves. Uh, that's at the core of what I do. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, you're wrong. That's not how it works. I, you know, I let them know. I usually will say something like, let's just be realistic about what you can expect with filler. Here's what it's good for. Uh, here's what it doesn't do well. Here's other alternatives that may do the thing that you're wanting it to do. And then I'll usually segue into other treatments I provide, or sometimes, you know, frankly, if we're talking about, uh, you know, like someone's neck and I know that no matter what I do, I'm not going to give them the results they want. I might say that might be a surgical consult. That might be something where you need to talk to a surgeon about that. Um, but I think a lot of it's just in your delivery and responding to how they um, react when you say something. I don't typically, I, I can't think of a time where I've had a patient go, oh my gosh, well, you know, this is what I wanted and you're just not providing it. I think they appreciate um, the education. So you, you sound like someone who is also observing their reaction to what you're saying and choosing words very carefully. So there's this yeah. em empathic component to delivery, not simply stating facts, but trying to, I don't want, I want to use the word, I don't know if it's the right word, but kind of lubricate the, the slight disappointment. <laughs> rather yeah, than... I, I just, I, I'm of the opinion, there's never a reason to be unkind to somebody, right? Um, there's, so I, I just try to be very kind and mindful about the words I choose and watching their reactions to things. And I think that's probably one of the reasons my patients feel comfortable with me. Um, I, I pay really close attention to that, but I also try to make sure that I'm delivering the appropriate information that they truly need. That's interesting. It's something I, I can share some experience with because I, I often, I think it's, it's just a, maybe a personality type. It's something you can, I think you can learn and improve on, but I, I certainly read patients and I, and I, um, I worry about their negative emotion more than some people, other people do. And it's not, it's not always an advantage, to be honest. You can over-egg empathy, but, um, yes. you, but I find it very helpful in terms of getting the message in because mm -hmm. uh, my working theory is that patients are, or people are either receptive to information or are on the defensive. And, mm -hmm. and what you're constantly trying to do is to keep them receptive while, while yeah. delivering them the truth. Because people are very receptive to a delusion that's positive, like it's going to be amazing and gorgeous, um, is easy to say and easy to hear. But if it's not mm -hmm. the truth, you pay the price later on. And I think what, what I'm getting from you is that you've developed this, this skill of d delivering um, reality in a comfortable to hear way that's not judgmental. You're not making them feel silly for asking. You're, um, and you're delivering in a way that that just feels like guidance. That's my f my best, my favorite term really is guidance rather yeah. than judgment. And and I, I think that's a good summary of kind of what my goal is. I, I mean, I'm not, I don't want them to come to me because I want to do every procedure on them and, 
you know, that's not my goal. My goal, really, my focus is to um, make them, like I said, feel more confident walking out than when they came in. And part of that is, I think, empowering them with the information they need to make those informed choices. Um, but yeah, I do pay attention. And it's interesting you mentioned like empathy. Uh, I've been a very empathic person for most of my life. And I remember when I was younger, um, really taking things so personally that I could just feel other people's energy, good or bad. <laughs> and I think, you know, I've learned as I've gotten older um, to fine tune that, not take things personally and um, really just pay attention to what that information or the information that I get from those feelings. Cause it, it tells you a lot about where someone's at, um, what they're going through. And another part of that is paying attention to things like body dysmorphia, um, mental health um, concerns, things like that. You know, when I get someone who's talking about wanting to do something on their face, but I can see that the concern is much deeper than that. Sometimes, you know, doing an aesthetic procedure might not be the most appropriate uh, thing for them. Sometimes they need to focus on some other issues first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's absolutely core to, to doing this job well. And it's strangely quite easy to get away with not doing it for some some period of time. Uh, you'll never get away with it forever. But it's you can because I'm looking back actually at my own career and I was I was kind of trained to be quite practical initially. Like, you know, you identify the wrinkle, inject the wrinkle, right. <laughs> improve the wrinkle, don't hit the artery. Yeah. And then you're supposed to be successful after that. But but actually, it's all the people stuff that that actually mires you in in either a happy clinic or a struggle. Um, mm -hmm. And the, there's there's something around um, honing that the, what you described as a, an almost a natural attribute. I, I also I always feel sad if people think, oh, you've, you've either got it or you haven't. You can absolutely improve it. But you need mm -hmm. to understand the power of it through through doing a couple of brave, brave things. For example, one of the things I've learned is, is to watch people's body language and their emotions and the words they use. And when they say something negative, I, I don't ignore it. I go straight to it. I'll say, oh, are you feeling nervous? You look nervous. And mm -hmm. just by saying that, you get, you basically, it's like popping the, the blister. You get most of it out and they express yeah. it and then you can reassure them half the time. They're not, they're not even worrying about something they need to worry about. Um, but also you can use the same when they're over positive, which is what you've described, which is when they're saying, oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. You can actually, it's actually appropriate to bring people down uh, a little <laughs> bit, um, just to reality, not, not beneath, <laughs> not to negativity. Yeah, they can be but, excited. I want them to be excited. Like, that's great. I just want them to be excited in a realistic way. Yeah. I think it's yeah. like timing and place, like be excited, then have a moment of seriousness and then be excited again. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, preferably be excited when they've seen the result. Um, yeah. you definitely don't want people to be fearful when they're getting the result. Um, right. I'd put a lot of work into making sure that that's a quite a well, um, constructed moment. Um, yeah. you see it, uh, I'm going on a slight tangent here, but certainly I've, I've seen patients who have got a good result, but have been exposed to it in the wrong way, get the wrong idea right. quite quickly. So very early on in my career, I had a patient look down at the mirror, um, <laughs> straight down at it, take one look at his nasolabial falls, throw the mirror down and leave because he, he'd looked, he, oh he, you know, hadn't, he hadn't thought about the gravity element, which I hadn't either up until that moment. Um, but we're always managing emotions, which is, which is a big part of what, what um, you're right. clearly good at. This yeah, you, you learn those lessons very quickly when you're like, oh, I shouldn't let the mirror sit on their lap or, you know, yeah. I, oh, absolutely, I don't, yeah. you know. It's rare. Uh, sometimes, you know, I'll get a nurse in my chair and they're like, can I watch? And I'm like, sure, if you, you know, if you're comfortable. Most of the time I'm, you know, I don't really want them to see the procedure because it freaks a lot of people out, frankly. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I keep the mirrors away from them until I'm ready for them to see. Once, yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's all about that same, same idea, really. If they if they look at something and it's half done, like a lot of clinicians like. And when I'm training, a lot of clinicians we like. You've got to show them when it's half done. But some people don't respond well to that. <laughs> it's you know, often it's, better it's to funny. get it all done. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that. I actually one of the things I do on purpose is if I'm doing one side of something, sometimes I will show them, especially if I'm doing something like Sculptra, because we get kind of. I tell them this is a preview of where we're going. 
And there's usually a nice difference side to side. I'll start on one side. I'll show them. I'm like, okay, this is going to go away. <laughs> You're not going to see this for, you know, their month or so as it develops. But um, that in that case, it, it helps. But yeah, looking down at a mirror is probably not yeah. <laughs> going to. I think once again, it depends on your how good you are at reading people. Because there are some people who are, they can be very anxious and worried that everything's going okay. And you almost don't want to change too much. You want to show them a small change and say, look, it's only a small difference, but we're going in the right direction. And others who might be afraid it's not going to work or they're yeah. kind of pessimistic, then you show them halfway that you're, yeah. you can already see the difference. So it's, it's like so many of these things, there's no right and wrong. It's about being appropriate for the right patient, um, yeah. which you, cannot, you figure out by trial and error if you haven't got it already because they feed back generally even if it's yeah. just with a deep sigh and leaning back in their chair, it's some sort of information <laughs> when you've put a foot wrong. So I'm interested um, in certain situations where you kind of and can anticipate now that the patient might have a mismatch in expectations. Have you come across any situations where you kind of already, you know, maybe with different treatments, histories, if they've had one thing in the past and they're changing, is there anything that you are aware of as a, a common pitfall? I've had people come in um, who have maybe had filler or something before, and they'll say something like, oh, I had, I had a patient yesterday. Um, she said, oh, I, I had cheek filler, and I didn't. I, it was great for, for a few weeks, and then I, I didn't really see much. And so I kind of started asking, well, how much? When was it? Um, and then I, I think I educated her. I was like, that sounds like you probably need a little more to get what you're, you know, what you're after, that, that look that you want. Um, I honestly, as far as in my own clinic with my patients that I see, I, I do my best to really build those relationships over time. I think I'm pretty good about setting expectations. And I usually will, you know, there's this old adage of, you know, under promise and over deliver. So I, I make sure that I'm not promising them the moon when I think, you know, that's not realistic. Um, and then if they, <laughs> they get the moon from it, great. But um yeah, I, I just like to make sure the expectations are really realistic. So I, I can't think of a time where I've had it, you know, where I've promised something and then, you know, like, and if something doesn't go the way I want, I always tell them like, you know, contact me. We're going to, I'll take care of this. I, I had a patient recently actually um, who her the talks we did last time didn't last as long as it had previously on her. Um, and I'm not really sure why maybe it was a, we used a different product, um, but I let her know I'm like, yeah, let me know. Absolutely. We'll take care of it. I'll make sure that you're happy. Let's figure out what's going on. For me, um, there are certain situations that I think predispose to over expectation. And one of them that's happened to me is because I have a big Instagram following, they correlate that with an, with that I must be disproportionately successful in, in getting the result with no side effects. So there's right. always a moment when I when when they they'll often say something like, you know, I have worried about side effects, but not with you you know, because I know that you're safe or whatever, because they've seen a post. And I, and I always have to bring that back down to the basics, which is I'm still sticking a needle into your skin and I'm doing everything I right. can, but you can still have a side effect. And it's important mm -hmm. that we go into this both knowing that. It also helps me be safer because I don't want to drink my own Kool-Aid. You know, <laughs> it's better that I go <laughs> right. in, that I go in like thinking that accidents happen rather than thinking that they don't. Um, and that's what actually increases my safety. But likewise for them, it makes it a less stressful process if you do get a bruise or even a worse side effect that it was on the cards from the start. But it is a yeah. moment of back to reality. Like you, because people do like to believe things that make life seem easier than it is sometimes. Yeah, I actually, it's funny you say that I had an experience, I think it was just yesterday where I had someone reach out to me, uh, like a, a friend of a, a patient of mine who lives in another state and she had lip filler uh, in June or so. And she had some lumps from it that have persisted beyond kind of, it's been about six weeks. And so I kind of, she wanted my opinion. So I did like a virtual consult with her and we were talking and she went through what had happened and you know, what the injector did to follow up and everything. And I could tell she wanted me to, to be like, Oh yeah, no, this, this was totally wrong. Like there, she wanted me to, you know, she wanted to know that something had gone wrong because of something this other injector did. And I told her, you know, frankly, it sounds like this injector did exactly the same thing I would have done in this situation. These things can happen, um, you know, even with the best injector or the, you know, best technique, you can still have things go wrong. And so, um, 
you know, that was just, it's just interesting that you bring that up because I think people do get this idea that if you're, you know, person X, or we know you <laughs> with this amount of celebrity, that nothing's ever going to go wrong. But every injector has complications from time to time. Every injector is going to have some degree of something not being just right. Um, but yeah, it doesn't mean that anything was done negligently or maliciously. Yeah. I think it's, it's quite a, sometimes it happens. It's quite a complex thing to get across to patients that there's, it's not the difference between a good injector and a bad injector as it can just be an element of bad luck. In fact, I had one recently in my clinic, a doctor who's worked with me for many years, who's treated my wife, trust her with my wife and my life. Yeah. Um, and one of the patients found our, our separate email and emailed and said she had this terrible experience and it's all gone wrong. And, and all it was is one of the injections, for whatever reason, I don't know, hurt more than the others. And it's kind of sent her spiraling. Um, and she's still got some tenderness, but it's the kind of thing, you know, you, the needle maybe passes through and you're unlucky and you hit a nerve or something, but it's, right. it wasn't a bad injection, but it's definitely sent her into this, this um, realm of there is a bad injector who's injected me rather right. than an unlucky injection. And it's worth remembering that patients, if you sell yourself as a good injector who doesn't get side effects, you know, not my work, these things always happen to other people and I fix them. Um, it's very right. disappointing when when they actually do get a side effect. So it's, whatever you put on social media is almost separate, but make sure in the consultation that you follow your advice, which is yeah. be real. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that then protects you from the, uh, from the bubble bursting, which is right. often. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really important. That's just back to that, you know, setting correct expectations. And mm. I may be on the side of over-educating and over-explaining, but I, I feel pretty comfortable that my patients know that one, if something goes wrong, I want to hear about it. And I tell them that, like, I don't, don't not tell me, <laughs> let me know. Um, and two, that, you know, I'm going to take care of them. One of the things I tell people, especially if it's their first time getting any kind of treatment, I tell them, you know, what to watch for and, and all that post-care uh, information. But I also say, there's no such thing as a stupid question. I'd rather have you reach out to me and me tell you, oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. Or, you know, hey, come in. I want to see you and make sure everything's okay. So... Do you, do you remember when you first started what it was like trying to explain while you were still learning and whether that was a good process for you or a difficult process for you? Um, like explaining procedures and just giving the, I think because I'm a little bit type A when it comes to, you know, my own education. Um, I don't recall having difficulty explaining to them because I think one thing that was always important to me is that if I was going to be doing a procedure that I was really, I had a really thorough knowledge of what I was doing. Um, and so I don't recall educating people being difficult for me. Um, I mean, of course I'm not the patient, so I can't tell you their, you know, experience on the other side, but I don't recall that being difficult. I think the key to good education is two things. One, um, well, several things, but two main things, understanding what you're doing very thoroughly. Um, and then also being able to put that in concise language for your patient to understand. Um, when you can really master those two items, I think you can give uh, accurate information. Um, and maybe my background, I, I love teaching. I love educating people. Um, maybe my background in that just helped with that aspect when I started in aesthetics. Um, I think, but I think, so, mm -hmm. sorry, I, I think you, you, you convey a lot of certainty to me in the way you articulate yourself, even when you're upside down on the, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I've been doing headstands since I was a, you know, a wee little child. So <laughs> I think it's, it comes naturally, but, um, but that would be the third thing I think is that you need to know, you obviously need to know the topic. You need to explain it in a way that they understand it, but you also need to explain it with confidence and poise. Otherwise, it looks like you're uncertain. And I, I see new injectors, um, you know, particularly when I'm training someone and they're trying to emulate. So it's, it's not the right situation, but if they're trying to copy something I've just taught them, they don't convey yeah. any certainty at all because it's a moment of performance. Um, not always. Some people go step right into it, but it's. Yeah. Uh, I think probably your previous experience also helps you step into that state of basically being the queen in that situation you're the boss not not right. in a in a, right. in a 
bossy way but in a in a control like you have to emulate you have to show them that you have some control um and that comes across in body language tone of voice yeah um yeah i think it's just being assertive and it's interesting um when i i do trainings um i'll do some new injector trainings um and um it's interesting to watch how the students respond and what they're what they're doing and you know i've had models who have said like oh she doesn't seem confident which is <laughs> not the kindest thing to say but you can you can tell the difference um and then of course you get sometimes you'll get a new injector and they're almost overly confident and you have to kind of reel them back in and say you know just go slow take your time um but yeah <laughs> Have you have you ever had a patient kind of disagree or not be reassured or or do they tend to just follow as as you'd predict? You mean when injecting or So just... when you're when you're kind of doing the consultation and explaining things do they have you ever had a patient kind of question you or say well I had another doctor say something different or um those are the kind of things that maybe throw a spanner in the works. Yeah. Um no, I've had people come in who've said oh I had this experience here. Um, and again, I, I try really hard to not be like, oh, that's wrong. Like I just say, I give them my philosophy and I just give them education. I, I don't want anyone to feel, uh, judged or I, I don't want to be judgy about other practitioners. Um, you know, sometimes if I have a difference of opinion on information someone's been given, I'll just say, you know, this is, this is what I think would do best for you. And here's why, um, I think a lot of those people skills, um, really just come into play. And if that's one piece of advice I would give to new injectors, other than obviously honing the physical skills, it's really paying attention to your, your patients. I also, the model that I follow with my patients, um, I, I take, I block out a decent amount of time for those appointments, even consults, um, even repeat talks visits. I, I chunk out a decent amount of time because I want to go over kind of a comprehensive approach. I want to go over skincare. I want to go over other treatments. I don't want them to get fixated in one particular treatment being the answer to everything because it may not be. Um, so how long, is, how long is your first assessment? If I was to book in to see you, how long, how long would we, would you leave for a first assessment? Um, I do 30 minutes for a first consult. Um, and sometimes I'll go a little longer because I tend to talk a lot. <laughs> so I plan a little bit of time in for that, just knowing how I am. Um, but yeah, I'll usually book a 30 minute consult if it's just, a, you know, if we're just consulting, I'll add extra time if they want to inject that day, but, um, yeah. Okay. But so I do, yeah, 30 uh, minutes so do, just to talk. Yeah. And then sorry. procedure, <laughs> so procedure a different day or if they've certain, then they can, they can have a yeah. procedure. On the it same depends day. when we're booking people, um, you know, if they've messaged me and I'm putting them on the schedule or they're calling the front desk. I'll find out, uh, you know, do you want just a consult or are you interested in also being injected that day? Just so I know how much time to plan out. Um, but I, I think the thing is I want people to feel like there's not a pressure to like get injected and make a split second decision. I really, um, I go for like the long haul with my patients. I don't want to like get them in, get them out. It's just not my business model. Um, that's interesting. So the moment of decision I think is, um, it's un, it's underplayed as a as a real moment. I think a, a lot of the time it's an implication that you're obviously going to have the procedure, um, and if you it, that can similar to a lot of these issues we're talking about, it can go smoothly, but it can also land you in hot water. And yeah. so, th- tell us a little bit about like how do you wh- what are you picking up from a patient when you know they're making a clear, confident decision, or when they maybe are unsure, and, and how do you handle that situation? Um, you know, I, I can usually tell if they're, I had a patient yesterday, she came in and she told me her concerns. I told her, you know, I think, you know, Morpheus Sculptra talks, let's do some IPL. It just to, like, you know, I gave her about four different treatments. I said, if I were you like this course over, you know, the next six months would be great. And she's like, okay, let's do it. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Like I could tell. She's like, I want it. She's like, yep. And I was assessing her for talks and, uh, you know, asking what areas and, you know, we're doing up here. And I mentioned, I was like, do you want a little here? Do you want a little? And she's like, yep, do it, do it. Like she was very much, she trusted me. She had seen me before um, and she, you know, she wanted, that was very clear to me. She was confident and we're going to do those things. Um, if I sense hesitation or, and this is another reason I like to sometimes 
consult first, especially on, you know, a little more invasive procedures. Um, if I sense that hesitation, I, I usually tell them, like, there is no, no pressure. You do not need to make a decision today. I'm going to be here. Um, so, you know, here's take this information. And yeah, if you have questions, feel free to reach out and just let me know. I like to just leave it open ended. I'm not. Um, it's interesting because my uh, I think I mentioned my undergraduate degrees in marketing, you know, so sales marketing. I have that background. I've done sales, you know, throughout my life. Um, the best sale, and I'm air quoting that, is one where your patient is 100% comfortable with the decision they've made, like in, in any industry, I think. And so that's what I want. So I don't hard sell people. I don't say, oh, you need to make this decision today. You know, this deal is only going to last. <laughs> you know, I just I wait for them to come to it. And from that, that's, I think, how you build trusting, long lasting relationships. Well, I, I really agree with that. And it's interesting to hear because you obviously would have come from it from a commercial perspective. But mm -hmm. the, if you're good at it, you've stumbled across, across the same idea, which is that you're actually you're trying to put people in a really certain state of moving into a time of potential risk. But that, that there's a lot of there's a lot that goes into that, you know, even the marketing that they receive before they come and see you, but also the way you explain stuff to them. And um, and you, you sound like you're doing something which I do as well, which is giving them an opportunity to do nothing and, mm -hmm. and not have. And that actually paradoxically seems to increase the certainty when they make the decision. And I, I think yeah. it's, it's very worth uh, I, I know clinicians who are the total opposite. They almost push patients. They're like, it's the right thing for you should do it. Um, very few of them, but there are a few around. And they, my patients tell me what it's like when they've had a consultation with them. And, uh, and I, the other way works better, which is you're free to leave. You can do nothing. Um, you can spend nothing today or you can have everything on the list. But I want you to be happy. Paradoxically mm -hmm. makes people more confident to move forward. Yeah, it's actually one of the things I educate new injectors on when I'm training, uh, when I'm explaining and demonstrating how I do my assessment. One of the things I tell them is I am never going to point out something I think they need until they bring that up. So there are ways to, I don't expect my patients to know what treatments they need. They, they may think they know, right? But that is not their job to know, right? That's my job to know. It's their job to tell me what's bothering them. And then we guide that conversation to what will actually make them feel better about that thing that's bothering them. But I always tell new new uh, injectors, do not, do not, you know, you may see someone's crow's feet and those may drive you crazy, but they may not want their crow's feet touched. That might not bother them. And so it's not our job to say, you'd really look better if, <laughs> you know, that's, that's not our job because ultimately that's just going to make them feel worse. And that is the opposite of, I think, what we're trying to do. Yeah, I love that. That's that sounds a different way of saying um, how I describe the two expert model. There are two experts in the room. One's an expert on their life, and one's an expert on faces. But you have to both work together to to design the treatment plan. You can't just have the expert on faces controlling the the whole thing because you don't know the other variables, which are what does this actually mean to them? Is it bothering yeah. them? So yeah. it's a good way of uh, that's a great way of of, exp of explaining it the way you you just have, which is get them to. To, to realize that it's more than just a wrinkle and not to not to impose a an aesthetic judgment without a psychological indication basically um because yeah. i think a proper healthcare model should always be like that but it's it's actually not i mean you only need to read some of the reviews online to know that this isn't always how it plays out so yeah. but this is very compatible with how i think any healthcare professional should should go about the consultation mm-hmm yeah, and that's really one of my goals going forward um, is just within my own practice. Um, and I, you know, I like I said, I do trainings and I'm, I love teaching. Um, I'm doing more and more of that, but really just to kind of guide new injectors in the what I consider like the appropriate and correct way to do it, which is we're not taking care of, like you said, a wrinkle. <laughs> we're taking care of a person. Um, and so just I think that approach is just so critical in healthcare in general, and we don't often see it, but yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Thank one you. of the things, one of the reasons I'm in medical aesthetics is because when I was like six years old and wanted to be a doctor, I, I wanted these meaningful moments of connection and, and helping someone feel better and all that stuff. But yeah. as soon as you get into the public healthcare system, there was no time for it. And I mean, I, I still do some public health work, but it's, it, 
it's kind of sucks the joy out of both parties. It becomes very mechanical. And what what is amazing about medical aesthetics is you can you actually do better if you do the stuff that you haven't got time for in the public healthcare system because you yeah. you build trust yeah. and you have long term connection with your patients and you see how their treatment affected their ability to form new relationships or get a new job mm-hmm. and and over time it's it's a fantastic place to put yourself if you do the talking um yeah. if you just do the injecting then you miss out on all that stuff yeah you know and i've known other injectors who have kind of gotten burnt out or they're just mechanical about it there there's no joy in it for them and that just makes me so sad um because really like we are in my opinion and this this might sound a little hokey but like i feel very honored when someone allows me to you know, stick a needle in their face. That's a very intimate and personal thing. And so to not have that relationship and that trust um, would be, I couldn't even imagine doing it that way. Um, It's just, it's too important to me. The stakes are too high, right? This is someone's, (laughs) someone's face, someone's body, someone's uh, confidence that you're, you're being allowed to work with. Yeah, that's a really good point. That it is a real act of trust to allow someone to do that. And um, I think it's easy to take it for granted. I haven't, you know, I remember the first time I took blood from a patient, finding it quite difficult walking up to a stranger and sticking something into them um, right. many years ago now. But but before those reasons, I didn't feel like I'd earned the right to do that. I didn't, they didn't know me. There was no trust. I'd, I'd never done it before was, was yeah. part of it. But that's how you start. Um, but similar with, with faces, it really is an, a huge vote of confidence if someone meets you and says, go on, in, inject, do your work on my face. It really is something. So that's that's yeah. a great point to make as well. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I mean, I, yeah, it makes me feel amazing. I, I really love it. I really value those re- relationships with my patients. I have patients I've been seeing for, year, for years, patients that will travel to see me and that, or... I think one of my favorite things is people that knew me before I was a nurse that over time, you know, they decided, oh, you know, I want to try a little, little talks or something and having them say, oh, I want to come to you because I trust you, you know, just that means a lot to me. Um, so <laughs> I, I love that as well. So I, I would say trust is the baseline, like asset that you build with every interaction. Okay. So if you, if if you're ever in a situation where you're finding it difficult to know what to say, remember that your goal is to build trust and nothing else. And that helps you, for example, give say the awkward truths that need to be said. Um, because it's it's quite easy often to... And, you know, doctors are notorious for doing this, you know, fobbing patients off when they're too busy. You, don't want, you know, I hear it all the time in my NHS work. Um, I felt fobbed mm-hmm. off. Um, but it's it's basically a shortcut to getting out of the situation, which gets the day done, but it breaks trust. And yeah. um, and I think the more you, you align yourself to building trust and earning trust, the easier over time. It's not always easy in the short term because trust works both both ways, which is another another topic maybe we could touch on, which is <laughs> you need to feel like you trust your patients, not just that they trust you. Yeah. Do you, had, yeah. Is that something that you've, that you've noticed? Um, you know, for example, if you're educating a patient or doing a consultation, but you get a sense that they are, that they're not in alignment or they they may respond, let's say to respond in a way that you can't predict after the procedure. Um, yeah, I, you know, um, I, I teach for another company and then I have my own practice where I do, you know, see patients do trainings. Um, and it's really interesting because in my own practice, I'm going to say, I really don't get that. And I think it's because the reputation I build, the referrals I get, like I, I take that time, people kind of know. And also even things like Instagram has been helpful. Like they get a sense of who I am before they come and see me. So they kind of know what to expect. They kind of know what, what to get. So I don't see it too much in my practice. Um, sometimes when I'm working um, at the other company where I'm training, um, sometimes the models will come in and, and not always, but their expectations are very different they just want to come in and like get filled up <laughs> with filler. Right. And so there's times I've had to be like, this is completely not an appropriate treatment. You know, here's why, like your lips are hard. We can't put any more in. Um, and those clients don't always love that. I think that environment, I tend to get, a, you know, maybe there's the occasional like, Oh, you know, this is wrong or whatever. But um, I, I really do think um, you kind of attract what you put out there. Um, and 
so I just, I don't see it a ton. And again, I'm, I'm very meticulous about what I, how I speak to my patients and how I interact with them and paying attention to their response. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say I've never had an unhappy patient. I, I had one that was I'm not even sure what she was unhappy about, but, um, you know, those things can happen. I think to anyone. I've had a few where you, you get the sensation that, um, there's something about their state of mind or their psych, their, their attitude in the situation. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give you one example, which is kind of, kind of funny, which is, um, I'll, I'll, I'll remove as many details. So it's not, you wouldn't know who it was, but a person called up the clinic. My wife answered the phone and this was years ago and he was already crossed because he couldn't find parking. And he was, he said down the phone to her, uh, I bet you wish you'd worked harder at school so you didn't have to answer the phone for a living. Like it was a real insult <laughs> to, to the other, you know, not knowing that she's my wife or whatever. And, you know, that's the kind of thing where you think you get this idea that do I really want, can I trust that this guy is going to respond in a way that, um, that, that I can predict that I want to have on my books kind of thing. And, and, uh, it's very rare. Most people are, yeah. I, I would say a lot of people worry about getting sued in aesthetics and all the negativity and complaints, but it's actually, it's actually remarkably rare. I think considering the complexity yeah. of what you do and, and the sensitivity of your face, uh, to not looking right. Um, I think if you do a reasonable job and you're honest, you, you don't have too much of that. But anyway, yeah. this was a, this was a guy who I had to uh, basically say, I, I, because of your journey in here, I don't feel like I can predict a happy future. And yeah. um, I might be wrong, but for, for the time being, I don't feel safe going forward. And it's a very hard message, but it's, I, use, I wouldn't say I don't trust you because people think that means you're going to steal from them. It's more that right. I can't predict the, the how you're going to respond. This might not be the best fit for yeah. you. <laughs> it's, it may not make you happy. Like even just getting here hasn't made you happy. And I don't do things that, unless I think there's a high probability that they're going to be happy, you're going to be happier afterwards. Yeah. Um, my, uh, my front desk, um, girls, we were talking yesterday and they mentioned the patient that was calling up and talking, um, about prices and, oh, I can get this cheaper somewhere else. And she was like, I don't know what to say. So I told her, I'm like, if that happens in the future, just say, oh, well, you know what? We really want you to go where you feel most comfortable. So just make whatever decision is best for you. And I think when you kind of put it back into their <laughs> court, like, oh, you know what? If, if, if my prices are too high, if you're not comfortable with any aspect of it, absolutely, please. The most important thing is that you feel comfortable. And I think that helps drop that defensiveness a little bit, but it also, it, it puts it on them to kind of decide um, <laughs> where they're going to get treated or if they are. Um, but I, I have no problem if I think someone's not a good fit for me philosophically, like that gentleman you talked about, I'll let them know. <laughs> I, th I think in, in the early days, some people worry about that because, well, it depends what your model is. They, you might think, well, at my job, I, I had a, once had a patient say to me about eight times in a consultation when I was refusing him, is my money not good enough for you? You know, so, so some people genuinely feel like if they've got something to pay with that you should do what they ask. And I, I think sometimes there are clinicians who start that way, which is I'm supposed to be providing a service, but actually as a clinician, we are separate to other commercial entities in, in our philosophical base, which is that you get to decide whether this is a good thing to do or not, not whether you're going to get yeah. paid or not. And in the long arc, that's a way better way to do it. But it is, it you does know, require some steel. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and um, part of this might go back to my business school training. Um, but the best patients are the ones that we want to keep. I want to build those relationships over time. I don't want someone either looking for a bargain. I don't want someone who's comparing me to someone else. Like I want my patients there because they want to get injected by me. Um, it, yeah, I would rather not have those patients. And you're right in the short run, especially when you're new, that can be scary to turn someone away or to, you know, not discount your prices because you think you're not going to get business. But ultimately, when you start, when you have a business model where they're coming in for a discount or, um, you know, just because you're going to yes them to everything they say, like, those are going to be the most difficult patients to, to have. Those are going to be the ones that are the least happy. They're going to complain the most. They're going to be tight with their spending. They're going to spend based on dollar amount rather than result. And 
it, it does no one any favors. Um, so that's a as great hard point. as it is. Uh-huh. That's a, it's a great point. So you, it's essentially you're putting yourself in a position of more influence by being the one who's chosen by them, not because you're offering a cheaper price. Because if you're offering them to come in for a cheaper price, you're essentially saying you choose me because I'm cheaper. Whereas if they're choosing yeah. you for you, they, those same, they're different cohorts of patients. They come specifically for your guidance, um, mm-hmm. which is a fun, if, if everyone did that, we'd have a completely different industry. It wouldn't be as it is. So tell, tell me, um, let's, let's hear a little bit more about you in the future because I quite like the idea that maybe you'll listen to this in five years' time and we'll have a little snippet um, of, of kind of where you are and where you're going. I'm interested in, because um, you're clearly a very open person who's up for new adventures from what you've told me already. Um, what would you like, do you have a goal or, or an idea of what maybe life would be like in three years' time, three to five years' time, what would you like to be doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's interesting when I got into aesthetics and when I started doing it, I never realized that I would end up teaching uh, in aesthetics. And I kind of, I kind of got, just had an opportunity to open up kind of like when I got into aesthetics, it was an opportunity that opened up for me. Um, and so I started doing that and just kind of fell in love with that. So I really, my goal is to try and educate more um, practitioners, really just build that up um, so that we can, as an industry going forward, really take care of our patients and not just pop them full of, you know, filler or whatever. Um, So I do see myself teaching a lot more um, and eventually I'd like to bring in more um, injectors uh, within my company. Um, That's, that's the track that I, that I'd like to go on, but I just, I get so much joy out of seeing somebody feel confident in what they've learned or have like that aha moment that just kind of like clicks, um, that fuels me. So great. So training, um, scaling up yourself. So you're going to, you would, you would, it's a similar path to what I've gone on, which you get other injectors to help support you and then do some additional training. Um, Mm -hmm. is there, um, so this is, this is another, it's kind of a, some people find this question very easy and some people find it hard, but if you were to put yourself in the position of, where you would like to be in three to five years time maybe even dial it up a little bit more so it's even more exciting so you're mm-hmm. whatever you picture that's super exciting that you think you might be able to achieve is there some advice that that three to five year ahead Chelsea might give you today that you think you should take yeah I, I think uh, just don't be afraid to go for it um don't be afraid to put yourself out there I mean that's how I ended up here <laughs> Right. You know, I just I saw your post about the podcast. And the first thing that came to my mind was I need to get uh, Dr. Pierce's attention. (laughs) What better way to do that than with like a headstand or some stupid human trick? Yeah. So um, (laughs) I've I've been on this path for a bit, but I think and I hope I'll look back and say, hey, I'm glad I just went for things and trusted myself and followed my gut um, while I was doing that. So be, that's Miranda's central message is be brave, you know, go just yeah. try. Um, don't, don't wait until you feel ready. Just do something and, uh, and you're on your way. And then yeah. you build your comp, which is essentially what you've said. You've now built even more confidence to know that you need to keep doing more of that stuff. And that's how you achieve things that would surprise yourself. Um, looking yeah. if you were to put yourself back where you, where you first started, it's almost unbelievable what's possible. So I love that message. Yeah. It's interesting because I used to, you know, I've, I've, I ran my own business for a while. I worked for someone else for a while and I just realized philosophically it wasn't like the best fit for me. So I went back out to being independent and things have taken off for me because I think I've truly followed um, my philosophy, my gut, my goals. And I've approached it. I've removed the fear because I'm kind of like, what, so what could go like, what's the worst that happens? I don't succeed, but you know, you definitely don't succeed if you don't try, <laughs> you don't put yourself out there wholeheartedly. So it's amazing what you can achieve when you really just allow yourself to, to be yourself and, <laughs> and blossom. Absolutely. No, I, I really resonate with that. And it's funny, it takes a long time to think, cause it's kind of idea that you might hear or read on Instagram, but you don't actually feel it. There's mm-hmm. a moment where something clicks in the experiences that you go through where you suddenly realize I can just, I can just do that thing I want to do. I'm yeah. just going to execute it. <laughs> and it, it becomes quite practical. 
um, yeah. as opposed to all the emotions that you feel when you first are trying out and you've got kind of people you might worry about judging you or saying who does she think she is doing this that all kind of I don't know if it's an experience thing or an age thing but sometimes it just clicks and you just feel like I can just go and do that thing I want to do now yeah. Um, I, had a, I had a patient actually, I get a lot of great wisdom from my patients and I had a patient who had a <laughs> huge business doing some sort of health and like fire alarm, something like that. And she, she was saying, you know, this, I started this business with my husband in our spare bedroom and I would never believe how it is now. Whatever you want to do, just go and do it. Like don't, don't, yeah. I'm an R over it. Just go and do it. And it was, yeah. sounds really kind of yeah. simplistic advice, but <laughs> it actually works. Right. Well, it's, it's like, if you don't do it, I mean, somebody else will. Right. Like somebody else is doing those things. Um, so why, why not me? Why not you? Right. We can, we can do those things. We're just as capable. Um, but I agree, you know, when I was younger, I was very outgoing, but also very timid to make certain decisions and worried about what other people would think. And I have gotten to a point, and like you said, maybe it's an age thing. I think you and I are, are the same age or so did you say you're 42? I think I remember you same here. And I think, I don't know if there's something that clicks around your late thirties or so, where you're just like, why do I care? Like, why do I care what other people think? Like, I'm a good person. I'm a kind person. I'm not, I'm never going to be mean, but if everyone doesn't like me or agree with me, like there's 7 billion people in the world, like they're certainly not. Absolutely. <laughs> so I think it's empowering. That's great. Well, that's probably a great place to finish up. Um, I'm excited <laughs> to, to stay in touch with you, see your progress over yeah. the years, um, now that we've got that on audio. Um, so <laughs> I wish you all the very best of luck. And it's a, I hope you keep, yeah, what I also love, just one more thing I'll say to help our audience. Um, you've combined your passion, um, you're, you're combining things together, which is a fantastic thing to think of. A lot of people think that they're too weird or there's something that, that doesn't fit on social media. And usually they're sitting on a gold mine of like, yeah, go and do your, do your thing. No one else can do that. No one else can can do a talk while standing on their head and <laughs> so go and do that because that's the thing that makes you different and and yeah. you're instantly unforgettable which is 90 percent of the battle you know yeah. it, a lot of clinicians are cardboard cutouts trying to look like the, a vision of success that isn't really them and uh, i love the way that you're being authentic um you know what matters to you you're you're practicing what you've learned in all your previous jobs to to put together something that's going to be unique. You know, when when you're up and doing training and and teaching patients and clinicians in this way, it will be your own style that no one else can replicate, which I'm a big fan of. So thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for those kind words. It means a lot to me because that's really, that's my goal is just to be authentic to myself and just like give that love to my patients. So Thank you so much for this opportunity. Okay, really it's been a pleasure. It. Nice talking to you. <laughs>